Jesus, as we listen to your word right now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight. And if it is acceptable in your sight, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the words of my mouth and you would speak. And like seed from your hand, you would plant it in our hearts. Please, please, Lord, please do that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's, yeah, let's give him a round of applause before we sit down. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Wonderful. Hasn't it been an amazing morning so far in his presence together? It really has. He's here with us. Last week, you may remember, we started to look at Psalm 23 together. And before we read it, I asked you to think about a question, a very important question that the psalm answers. And the question is this. In Psalm 23, who is serving who? Is David serving the Lord? Or is the Lord serving David? Now, as we read that psalm, we got our answer very clearly on every line. In fact, right at the outset of the psalm, in the first line, David answers the question forever, really, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that opening line, David reveals that the Lord is serving him. And I really believe in these days that the Lord wants us to understand that he's one who comes among us as one who serves. Very often, down throughout church history, you look back and you look through all of the different events of church life, and you see people working hard for God. You see people serving God. And there's an emphasis of what we can do for God And sometimes there's an overemphasis of what we can do for God, and we miss the emphasis of Scripture. That God wants us to understand that it's not about what we can do for Him, but it's about what He has done for us. And I really do believe that David, King David, had a clear understanding of this. David knew that the unfolding of his life was not about what he could do for God, although David was a man that served the purpose of God in his generation. God commended him for that. Fantastic. But the the understanding that David had was not of what he could do for God, but what God could do for him. Not in a selfish way, not in a way that would be ordering God about and being cocky and just, you know, saying, you do this and you do that. And treating God like some kind of bellboy. No, we're not talking about that. I'm telling you now, when you understand and when you see God in the events of life coming as your servant, you will fall on the floor and you will be awestruck, lost in wonder. There has been times in my life, like I'm sure 
There's been times, countless times in your life where you've, where you've hit a wall. Where there's been an obstacle in your life that you haven't been able to move through. And you've cried out to God. Nobody may have known about it except you and God. And then suddenly that obstacle, that mountain, that wall is suddenly gone. It's dissolved and you've moved on through. And you've realized after it all that God has intervened. God has served you in life. There's been times and occasions in my life like that. So many times like that. And every time I've been... I've been reduced to tears. I've been reduced to just sheer joy and laughter. As I've just seen an obstacle suddenly dissolve and come crumbling down. It's wonderful to know him in this way. Was it not Jesus who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You try and give that promise to somebody that you know. You try and say to somebody that you know, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And then when they ring you up at three o'clock in the morning and said, well, you said you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. I need you now in this emergency, in this crisis. You probably won't even answer the phone. Why? Why is that? Because... His life is on a different plane, a different level to our life. There's only one that can say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has the name above every other name. There's only one that can fulfill such a promise. There is not any human leader, any politician, any king. Any nation that has ever been able to release a statement like that. That's what makes Jesus so different. That's why he stands apart alone from every other human being. Nobody, anywhere, or at any time, down throughout the thousands of years of human history, has ever spoken such a simple statement as, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Look through your history books. Look at the greats of time who've brought forth technology, who have advanced world civilization. They may have been successful in human affairs, but there is only one that can remain faithful when we are unfaithful, and that is Jesus. I'm telling you, he's unique. There There may be many names in history, but there is only one name in eternity, and that is Jesus. One name above every other name. And he comes as a servant. He sends his Holy Spirit. He said it's better to his disciples. It's better that I go. It's better that I leave. So that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. He comes as a helper. He comes as a comforter. He comes as a guide. He comes as a leader. Do you need help today? I need as much help as I can get. I'll take any help. I need guidance continually. I need to be led. You know, sometimes we make, we overemphasize this word leader. I'm the leader. Oh yeah, I'm the leader. 
You can't even lead yourself to the toilet at three o'clock in the morning and get out of bed without bumping the wall. You're not a leader. He's the leader. My God, what do we want to wear these titles for? Let him have the title. He's the leader. He said, I'll be a leader. Be led by the Spirit. What a wonderful experience of life to be led by the Spirit tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you got the Monday morning blues. Tell me why I don't like. Oh, you bunch of. We ought to, we ought to sing that when in church, no. When you got your Monday morning blues, say to the Lord, oh Lord. It's Monday morning. Another week of it. Oh God, help me. Do you know he'll lead you through? He'll come alongside you. Leading you, guiding you, helping you. He's a servant, you see. He leads you through this bitter road of life. Paul talking about God as a servant says, and the God of all comfort will comfort you. He doesn't hold all of these abilities and all of these attributes and close them away from you. He says, come boldly to me. Come boldly to me, church. Come boldly before my throne of grace. I'll give you mercy. I'll give you help in time of need. That's God's invitation to you to come right into his throne room and Even before you get there, he knows what you're going to say. And he's already got the answer prepared. He just wants to hear you say it. You come in boldly. You present your request before him. And before you leave, you've got an assurance that he's going to work things through for you. That's God serving you. The emphasis of scripture from both Old Testament and New Testament is about God serving his people. You can look and see it. Countless, countless times on every page. You really can. And as we read Psalm 23 last week, it was David's recount. It was David looking back over the many years of life. Many believe that David was looking back on 60 years of life. As he he wrote this psalm, this psalm was not just, you know, a poet sitting in some kind of peaceful environment, thinking about words that he could entertain people with. No, David recollects the experiences of his life and he's thinking deeply about the road that he's been on for 60 years. And he looks at the highs of life. He looks at the pinnacles of life, the peaks of life where he has great success where God has given him great success, where the Lord has been his shepherd to get him to the peak and the pinnacle of life. And he sees how God serves him as a shepherd where he's not in want in any way. But also in that time, as he looks back down the corridor of 60 years, he also sees the sudden falls into the many pits that he had been in. Into the times where he was in want and great need. One occasion, David said, I cried to the Lord. I cried to the Lord. That's a man that's in need. Because of the circumstances pressing him. Oh, I'm so glad that, that in, the, in, in the Bible we can read about 
you know, the, the, the rugged experiences of men and women's lives. I thank God that God doesn't hide away the crises of life and the pains of life. It gives me hope. I don't know about you. When you go through your fears and when you go through your trials and when things don't work out and you feel disappointed and let down. There's many that have gone before us as testified by God's word that have found help in darkness. That have found rescue in the deepest of pits. That have, that have moved and been maneuvered through the most complicated circumstances he is a shepherd. David said, as he looked back over the dark, darkness of his past, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, sh- I shall not want. There were times of great want in David's life. But he said, I cried to the Lord like a wounded animal with a shriek out of my spirit. And he answered. He attended to my cry. And in one answer from God, one word from God will change your life forever. Change it forever. Just one word. One little word in your spirit. You may be in need today. I've been been in times and seasons of my life where it's like you're hanging on a cliff edge. Oh God, please come, come, come. And you feel as if you, you feel as if there's nothing below your feet. Oh God, come, come, come. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Any time now would be good. And you feel as if you're surrounded. It's a spiritual place, not a natural place. And then suddenly he comes, quietly and calmly. What are you worried about, Dave? And in one answer, He delivers you from all your fears. One little word from God can take away all of the fears. David said that. I cried to the Lord. He answered me and delivered me, rescued me under his strong arms and delivered me from every fear that I had. Maybe depression today. Maybe a low self-image. Maybe just, you know what? I've just given up on church. I've been hit and burnt and broken too many times. But one little word from God will restore you and revive you. And that smoking flax, that smoking wick of your spirit, he will revive. And he will make it burn brightly again. It can't happen. It can't burn bright. It's been put out. It's been stamped on too many times. He can do it. He can. He can, he can make it burn bright again. He can light the wick inside you. So there's hope again and strength again. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He answers the question for all time that in that opening statement that it, life wasn't about, his life wasn't about him serving God. It was about God serving him. As I was thinking about just this opening statement I just felt the Holy Spirit just this morning actually just sort of change and alter what I was going to say 
And he took my mind to Psalm 34. And I just want to read you just one verse, verse 8 from Psalm 34. I believe the Lord is just going to minister right now to each one of us in different ways. Psalm 34, verse 8. It says this. Oh, taste and see. We know it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, Psalm 34, the history of Psalm 34 is in that eight-year period where David has been exiled from his own country. Saul, the king, ran him out. In fact, he was taking thousands of soldiers to capture David and kill him. He was a jealous man. He hated David. He hated him with a vengeance, and he pursued David. David was on the run. He went to the cave of Adullam. He was, he was taken from the pinnacle of his life where he had slain Goliath and all of the people loved David. He was the young hero and then suddenly because the people's attention were going on David and not on Saul, Saul became terribly jealous and he wanted to kill David. He threw a spear at him and then he tried to plot his downfall. So David runs for his life. He's on the run and he's going everywhere. But God, the Lord, his shepherd, is leading him. Even now in a dark place. Even now in a wilderness place. Even now in in an exilic period of his life for eight years. And that's where this psalm, Psalm 34, comes from. David is on the run. And Psalm 34 was written when David went to the land of of the Philistines and he pretended to be mad and crazy before King Abimelech because he thought if he goes before this king, the king is going to know that he's slain Goliath, which he did. The king knew that. Abimelech knew that David had slain Goliath and David feared for his life, but he had to go into the land of the Philistines because Saul was about to capture him and kill him. And he was pursuing him aggressively. So David had to leave the area that he was in. And he runs into the, into the territory of the Philistines. And he feigns madness. He starts spitting and salivering. Spitting on the doors. And making crazy noises like a madman. In order to keep his life. But this psalm. Psalm 34 was written when David was in the land of the Philistines. It's amazing what can come from a man or a woman's spirit when they're in the most hardest of times, when they're faced with crisis after crisis, when they are in a pit-like situation. You would never believe that a psalm, words, rich words like this, could come out of a man or a woman's spirit from such a crisis. He was fearing, fearing, his, fear, fearing for his life. Saul was on a, hot on his heels. Now he goes to Gath, 
where Goliath had come from, the giant that he kills, and Bimelech and his counselors are questioning why David is there. He's in a huge crisis. And David says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He begins his psalm with the song, the very song that we sang this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What an amazing strength of spirit. What an amazing tenacity of life to have. What an amazing resolve and attitude to be able to bless the Lord at this time in his life, at a time where everything was crushing and pressing him down. And he blessed the Lord in all of this uncertainty. And he directed his praise to God in this time. He said, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Can you see the spirit that, and the energy and the life that the Holy Spirit can give you? He can make you more than a conqueror, even though there is a crisis, even though you feel as if the wick of your life has been stamped out, even though you feel like a bruised reed, even though you feel beat up by life and you're never going to amount to much, or you are going to amount to more than you've ever believed or more than you've ever known because God has his hand on your life. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Your future is not going to be a repeat of your history. Yes, you may be going through some hardship. Yes, times may be difficult. Yes, it may seem as if you're in the land of the enemy. But stand up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult. Just bless him and things will work out for you. It really will, friends. Do you know, this has just come to my mind. I remember many years ago now being a part of this church and I would wake up in my, mum, in my mum's house every Sunday morning and the first thought, my first waking thought on a Sunday morning would be this. Oh no, I don't want to go. Serious. I don't want to go to church. I do not want to go to church this morning. Every Sunday morning, month after month after month, it wasn't because of the people here. It wasn't because of Pastor Ray. We love Pastor Ray. His ministry, his word, his his life. Love it. It was nothing to do with that. But it was because of, you know, the week that I'd been beaten up in, bruised and battered and scarred and the wick of my life, not lit and blown out and just smoking. And one day, after, after numerous months, I said to the Holy Spirit one morning, I need your help. I need you to speak to me now, please. You see, he's a counselor. Bible says there's an anointing that abides within you, whereby you have no need that any man teach you concerning anything. For the anointing will teach you concerning all things. Church, it's time to access that anointing. It's in you. You don't even need me, right, to come and tell you 
about things regarding the word. Now, there's teachers and there's preachers and there's apostles and prophets and they're there to edify the saints. But let me tell you something now. There is an anointing within you that is far greater, that is, that is a better teacher than me. I'm telling you. The anointing abides within you. He will speak to you concerning all things regarding your life. If it comes to a competition between me and the anointing, listen to the anointing. Oh, he'll never fail you. He's the Holy Ghost. Woo! He's awesome. The anointing's in you. He's in you. Begin to speak to him. Begin to respect what he says. He will lead you in a way whereby you will never fail or falter. He really will. So I'm there. I said, oh God, please, please. I've had enough of this now. Every Sunday morning, I don't want to go to church. Please help me. And he said, do you know what he said to me? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He said, Dave, even when it feels wrong, just keep doing what you know is right. Simple. I could take that. That was simple enough for my little head to understand. Yeah, it feels wrong, but I know it's right. I know it's right to get to the house of God. I feel beat up. I feel worn down. I feel as if my wick... Is, is just smoldering because of life. But I'm going to get to the house of God. Yeah, the enemy may be beating me up and saying, you don't belong in there and trying to condemn me and remind me about the sins of my life. But just keep doing what's right, Dave. Keep doing what's right. I'm not condemning you, Dave. I'm not reminding you of your sins. You're welcome in the house of God. There's no condemnation. And you know what? I would come in one way and I would go out. Woohoo! Brand new. Brand new. And I just kept doing it. And suddenly, we're out of that season where the enemy seems to be pressing and breathing on you. You're out of that season into a whole new sphere of life. David says, in the land of the enemy, I'm blessing the Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I feel threatened here. I feel fearful here. I feel as if I'm never going to get out of, of this attack. I, I feel as if Saul is never going to leave me alone. I'm in the land of the Philistines. What on earth is going on? I don't know how to go forward. I don't know where to go, but I have made a decision. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Read the psalm. David goes on, he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Amidst all of these huge problems, amidst all of of the threats, amidst all of the confusion, he says, I'm not going to allow circumstance to be magnified. I'm not going to allow the crisis of life to be magnified. Oh, I'm going to magnify the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, even in the land of the Philistines, even when, I'm, even when I've been exiled from my own nation for eight years, I am not going to allow that to be bigger than the Lord my shepherd. Oh, magnify him with me. And his men, 
You can see it rough and ready, not under a temple roof where everything was ritualized and in order and the laws and the ceremonies were, were, were conducted. They're out in the wilderness just magnifying and praising the Lord and there's life on it. Magnify the Lord with me, he says. And then you drop down through the verse and he says, oh, taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, sometimes because life becomes bitter, it's a bitter taste sometimes. Life can be a bitter taste in your mouth. Fear, the loss of a loved one, the loss of relationship, the loss of family. It's a bitter taste. And God says to some of us this morning, that bitter taste has been in our mouths for too long. He's going to change it. He's going to change it. Oh, taste. You're going to taste and you're going to see that the Lord is good. You know, after the children of Israel were were delivered from Egypt, they went through victoriously the Red Sea. Oh, it was amazing. They sang their songs of great deliverance. At the other side, they saw Pharaoh and his army swallowed up into the sea. And then they hit a crisis. They went to a place called Mara. And they needed their thirst to be quenched. And it was bitter waters. And they started to complain. They started to point at Moses. You've you've led us out here to die in the wilderness. We would have been better there in Egypt as slaves. And and Moses goes to the Lord. He says, what am I going to do? I mean, there's over two million people. And God says, take this stick. You can read it in Exodus. Take this stick and throw it into the bitter waters. He threw it. He did it. The stick representing the cross, the finished work, the transforming power of the cross. It is back there. And that, that stick under the power of God made the bitter waters sweet. And the Bible says that they drank the sweet waters from Marah. They should have been bitter, but God made them sweet. When you do it God's way, when you listen to what he wants you to do, when you come under his counsel, when you allow him to be your teacher, when you allow him to be your leader, even the bitterest points of life can become the sweetest. God can do it. You say, my life's over. I, I, I've had relationship after relationship, and I've failed. Yeah, you may have failed. Well, join the club. We've all failed. This is a church of reclaimed failures. God's into the recycling process. He really is into the redeeming process. You are going to have a great husband. You're going to have a great wife. He's going to bless you with, a, with wholesome relationships. He's going to bring order into the bitter family experiences of your life. You may, be, you, you may not have a job. You, you, you may have tasted the bitterness of sickness in your body. Oh, I'm fed up of this bitter taste. God's going to be your healer. Look at Mark in that wheelchair. There for years tasted the bitterness of sickness in his body but his spirit is alive his spirit is fruitful 
His spirit is full of joy. And in the bitterness of Mark's physical condition, there is a sweetness that comes from his spirit that is God. He's spoken word after word after word. I'm telling you, man, like big words from God. And every single one of them have come to pass. He has a prophetic anointing in his spirit. He really does. I can remember going to Mark one day and saying, Mark, one day you're going to get out of that wheelchair. And I loved what came from his mouth. He said, die. I'm already out. You see, I'm already out. Yeah. He's already out of that wheelchair in his spirit. But Mark has tasted the bitterness of sickness. Maybe you're tasting the bitterness of sickness today. Complaints in your body and you're thinking, this is such a bitter taste. Well, God's going to heal your body. He is. Not because of me. Can't do a thing. He's going to heal your body. He's going to touch your body. And you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. You really are. Whatever it is, relationship, marriage, family, may have been a bitter taste in your mouth. Suddenly, the taste is going to change because God, God is going to do it. He really is. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. I was thinking about that lady today. The Bible says that blood just left her body. She, she had a hemorrhage of blood. And she couldn't stop the blood from leaving her body. It was a condition that she had. And the Bible says that for 13 years now, 13 years, she had this condition in her body, a terrible condition. And furthermore, because she had that condition, the law said, you're unclean. Get out. That's, how, that's how, how brutal the law was. None, nobody could stand in the presence of the law. That's why Jesus had to abolish it. Get out. You're unclean. You've got to be confined and imprisoned to your house. Thirteen years, the Bible says, that she had that, that terrible condition where blood was leaving her body. What is that? That's a terrible, bitter taste of an experience of life. 13 years. 13 years. Furthermore, the Bible says she went to every doctor, every physician, and she spent all that she had. You see, sometimes life gets so bitter, and the taste of it gets, gets so awful that we'll use everything we've got to get out of the bitterness that we're experiencing. We'll go here, there, and everywhere. It says she spent everything that she had and only grew worse. When we use our strength, when we use our resources, when we use our little religious regime to set ourselves free, we don't get freedom at all. We just grow worse. We grow worse. And then it says, 
she heard about Jesus. And she kept saying to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She kept saying to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I shall be made whole. If I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Blood was leaving her body. Uh, she'd spent all she had. She had nothing in the bank. She was poor. Uh, she was growing worse. She'd grown worse over the 13 years. Bitterness. It was an awful, awful taste. And, but she just kept saying to herself, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What is that? Blessing the Lord at all times. His praise continually in your mouth. If I may but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I shall be made whole. If I can just get there and touch it. Blessing the Lord at all times. When you've got bitterness in your life. When, when, when it seems as if circumstances are not going to change. When it seems as if your body is protesting against what you are saying. Or your mind is raging against what your spirit is holding on to. Blessing the Lord at all times. His praise continually in your mouth. If I may but just touch. And one day she went behind him in the midst of, of the crowd. And she took the corner, the hem of his garment. Suddenly, the power of God, the virtue, life of God rushed from him, left him, went through her, and she was made whole. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, my God, he's going to do it. He is doing it. Now he's unlocking secrets this morning. Secrets to you. Maybe it's a new confession that he's going to bring alive in you. Can ask the musicians to come. Maybe... It's a still small voice of the Spirit, that anointing that abides within you that's going to teach you on how to put circumstance under your foot. But he is going to change the bitterness and make it sweet. He really is. And I'm not talking about bitterness that you have as a result of wrongdoing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about life. Life can be bitter. Difficult. He's going to change it. Like he did for that woman with the issue of blood. He was a shepherd to her. She took it. She took it. She really did. David, Psalm 34. I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus, we love you, Lord. Jesus, 
We love you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you now, he's deposited things in you this morning. He's put things in you. When life gets hard, suddenly that anointing of strength is going to rise up within you. And you are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Hallelujah. There's an anointing within you, church, whereby you have no need that any man teach you concerning anything, anything, anything. Somebody trying to get difficult with you in work. Somebody trying to set a trap for you. I tell you something now. Because the anointing abides within you, you will see evil afar off, the Bible says. You'll see it afar off and avoid it. That's the anointing. That's the Spirit of God. That's the wisdom. The Bible says that Christ is wisdom unto us. And the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Oh, we bless and praise and thank your wonderful, matchless name matchless name. We worship you, Jesus. One of the reasons why David could be so confident in the land of the Philistines where he feigned madness is found in this chapter. Psalm 34, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I tell you now, His eyes never leave you. His eyes are always open. Did you know that? The Bible says that the Lord does not slumber or sleep concerning his promises. And he looks down and he looks at you. And he's not slow concerning his promise. He's looking for every moment and it's all set up and suddenly you walk into fulfillment of promise. Some of you have promises over your life for years. You've been waiting. The eyes of the Lord are on you. He will create the situations, the circumstances, the opportunities, and you'll walk right into them. Right in. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. Oh, it just makes me want to pray. I go up the mountain on my little bike. I look over the hills and in the trees and I I feel the wind on my face. (laughs) And I say, oh God, if you could do all this. (laughs) Woo! If you can do all this, I look at the stones and cry. See the work of his hands. I feel the heat of the sun. And I say, oh God, you put it there. One word. From you, you hung the stars brilliantly in their space. And you ordered the world. You ordered it all. Creation is your masterpiece. But your master plan is in man and woman. Because you sent your son. Oh God, we worship you and we praise you. And we honor you. And we love just talking to you. 
Now, Holy Spirit, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, I pray. You see, there's buttons in you, people. There's buttons, there's switches inside you. And sometimes the switches are off. But when the master's hand comes over the switch and he turns it on. Oh, when he turns, when he flicks that switch. A circuit that's not operating. A circuit that's dead. A circuit that has no power in it. Suddenly, with the flick of a switch, has wonderful power, has wonderful access. He's pressing some buttons this morning. Some of you are going to go from this place and you're going to be praying and thanking him. And there's going to be immediate answer. He's going to show you his power. He's going to back every statement that you make. And you are going to thank him. There's going to be a wonderful well, a river from within you that's going to come gushing out in thanks, in praise. David knew that the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord were on him. Woo! Holy Spirit, make us aware of your gaze. Make us aware that every moment, every minute of our lives, your eyes are ever open. Oh, make us aware, Holy Spirit. Make it alive within us. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take this Word in your hand and you would cut away all of the false ideas, all of the false beliefs, you just sever them so that your word would live within us. We thank you that your word is impossible for it to return void without accomplishing that for which you sent it. Oh God, and I ask you, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that the word of God would live in your people. Make them aware of the anointing. I pray it. I ask it. You said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. So, Lord, I pray that your word would live within us, that your, that your word would be written on our heart, and it would be like a sword. It will deal with any broken thinking. It would deal with any low self-image. It would deal with, with any rejection. Rejection, go in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that your people would be strong. That this family, in the name of Jesus, would be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens them. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have not come to give us law. You said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. What a shepherd you are. The Lord, let's stand to our feet, church. We're going to sing and praise him before we go. You're ready now for another week. You're ready for your Monday morning. You're ready for what comes on Tuesday. Because the Lord, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the anointed of God dwells within you. We're going to bless him. Bless the Lord.